weeks ago, and uh, these students have already all gone through that flight school, and they, they're learning. So most of them are first-time teachers. So I need you all to smile real good. And if they stumble, just praise the Lord. Pray for them. Take your time. That's right. That's all right, baby. Encourage them. Amen. Back when I first started preaching, Pastor Caleb, uh, they had something called a trial sermon. So at 17 years old, my very first time I remember preaching the gospel, they had a big old service, like, I mean, bigger than this. I said, all right, go preach. And at that time, you know, coaching, there wasn't no training, wasn't no classes, there wasn't no help. Just, all right, you call, God calls you to preach, just go preach. Come out there and like, oh my God, look at all these people, and they all here to see you. Yeah, other pastors come, people from all over the city come, because they heard, boy, got another young preacher coming up. So we're not going to do that to them, right? We're going to encourage them. So tonight I want you to welcome a young lady who's been with us for quite a while, and uh, blessed with a wonderful family, and uh, she's going to come minister. Would you please receive Sakina Akintande as she comes? for time number three, but we're going to dig in this morning. I'm going to go ahead and open with prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. We thank you for your strength, Father, and your goodness, your mercy, and your kindness, Lord. We pray, Father God, that you would bind every distraction, Father God, that you would stop every hindrance, Lord, that you would protect the minds and hearts, Father God, of your people as I pour out this word that you have given me, Father. I thank you, Lord, for being a vessel, for being able to be used this evening. And I pray, Lord, that your word will go forth this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. I do want to thank Pastor Anderson for the opportunity to be up here because I recognize that it is an opportunity. And I just want to speak to it as such. Tonight, my title, to go along with 1 Corinthians 15.33, which, by the way, says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. My title, and before I tell you my title, I have to tell you a little bit about me. I am um, originally from the south side of Chicago, called Chirac. And if you you come at me a little bit rough, you might hear me yell out south side. Um, it is what it is. <laughs> so my title today is, um, and I'm going to drop the very academic language that I'm using, go for it, here it is called Code Switchers. Don't get it twisted, them ain't your friends. All right, let's go. So the theme is to be wary of those who attempt to persuade you away from the gospel of Christ, which must include the resurrection. 
So 1 Corinthians 15.33 was Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. It was his first letter, and he had to write a second letter, but that tells you a little bit about the church. The church at Corinth itself was a cosmopolitan city between two bodies of water, the Gulf of Mexico and the Bay. I'm sorry. Um, it was between two bodies of water. It was a mixture of people, and it was described as a place with excessive moral decay. It included idol worship at temples. It included a very rich section and a very poor section and people in the church who denied the resurrection. They exhibited, these people in the church, by the way, exhibited sexual immorality, spiritual superiority over each other. They abused the communal meal. And I don't know how you feel about food, but if you act up at the cookout, we got problems. <laughs> but they were baby Christians. They had been Christians for less than three years. So they were new, and so Paul treated them as such. He addressed them with this proverb, in case you were wondering why evil company corrupts good habits in his quote. It's because it's a proverb from a well-known Greek poet named Meander. And this was from a semi-biographical play about a young lady named Thais. Thais was an Athenian courtesan. That means she was a homemaker. <laughs> All right, y'all with me? Y'all with me? All right. At a lot of different houses. All right? All right. Listen, y'all, I got a clock. Calm down. <laughs> so Thais, this young lady who later on became like the embodiment of sex when they started talking about literature, they would refer to her, they would use her as an example. Um, she convinced Alexander the Great to burn the Persian palace as a retribution for Xerxes who had burned the Temple of Athena. So when you see her, think of, for example, Jezebel. And that is the quote that Paul used say, evil company corrupts good habits. So, let's check it out. Let's break it down specifically looking at the text. The first text, and if you look at um, the Strong's Concordance, you have to flip over to King James. So, King James says, evil communication corrupts good manners. Now, when you look at the King James and the Strong's, be and deceive, or be not deceived, are the same word. They both mean to cause to stray, to lead astray, to lead aside from the right way, to go astray, to wander or, wonk or roam about. And bad is defined as of a bad nature, not such as it ought to be. Let me turn that page over here. A mode of thinking, feeling, acting, saying, thinking. Wrong, wicked, troublesome, injurious, pernicious, destructive, or baneful. It's a lot of words. Baneful, by the way. how the, they communicate. So that's bad. Let's talk about communication. So do not be deceived, evil communication. Communication is described here not as conversation, but as companionship, as intercourse, as communion. So those people who you're interacting with, those people who you are engaging with, those people who you are on a day-to-day -day basis having relationships with, to go back to that title, they eat your speech. <laughs> so evil communication, what does it do? It corrupts. And when you look at the word corrupts, to destroy. In the opinion of the Jews, the temple of Athena 
The temple was considered corrupted or destroyed when anyone defiled it in the slightest degree. The slightest degree. So even the smallest thing that could be defiled and it now has to be purified by the blood of Jesus. So don't don't be afraid of that. Because it's like they injure it even the slightest. That little thing was like, baby, hey. No, that's it. That's it. <laughs> that was it. That, that was the light. That's the warning light on your dashboard. That's the light, y'all. So evil communications corrupt. Corrupt. <laughs> to go deeper, if the guardians neglected their duty, so, you know, garbage man's got to be in there, or led the Christian church away from the state of knowledge and holiness in which it ought to abide. Any leading that wasn't leading in the right direction, that's corruption. To perish, and in the Methodist sense, it is, or used to be called Lord's Supper. So those bad communications, interactions, corrupt, destroy, defile, good manners, what is good? What is fit, fit for use, useful, virtuous, manageable, pleasant, more pleasant, kind, benevolent, all of these things. These were good, right? And manners were a customary abode, dwelling place, haunts, customary states or state of being, your customs, your usage, your morals, or your character. So, took all of that down to say this. If they're doing anything, anything slightly, that is slightly, minutely, defiling your interactions with them, then that is corrupting your good character, your good morals. Let's get to my first point. <laughs> so my first point is taken from 1 Corinthians 15, 34, which says, Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. They don't know. They don't know the truth. So you're not held responsible for what they don't know. You're held responsible for what you do know. The next scripture goes to Paul's second letter to the Paul wrote a second letter because he was trying. He was trying, y'all. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6, 14, where Paul says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Okay, that's, that's pretty plain, right? For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? say it a little bit later, but I'm going to say it right now because I need to. Realize that you can't unleaven them, but they can leaven you. You can't take away from them that sin. That's not yours, but they can certainly file you. Let's flip to Galatians 5 9. <laughs> Let's go to Galatians 5 9. Now, I'm going to start in 7, but they have 9 up there. Leave it. 7 said, You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. That is not of God. 9 says, A little leaven, which is a metaphor for inveterate 
moral or mental corruption viewed in its tendencies, likeliness, its its propensity towards infecting others. That's what it's going to do. What it's supposed to do leavens the whole lump. You only need a little bit. Again, I'll say it, realize that you can't unleaven them, but they can certainly leaven you. Let's go to my second point. My second point, so the first point was that you should distance yourself from ungodly influences. Separate yourself from things that are not of God. The second point is that you should restore godly relationships. And to that, Proverbs 13.20 says, But the companion of fools will be destroyed. Not the companion of fools will be rebuked. Not the companion of fools will be encouraged to grow, to develop new character. Will be destroyed. Destroyed. I don't know about y'all. I have children. And when they destroy something, it's I, the hinge don't work no more. I can't glue that back on. I don't think I got all these excuses. I can't even fix that. That's going in the garbage. It's not going in the goodwill bin. They don't get my garbage. It's going in the garbage. It's gone. I, I'd rather not. Paul sent his letter to the church at Corinth to restore them twice. Let's go to 1 Peter 2 verses 1 through 2. So how do you restore? 1 Peter 2 verses 1 through 2 says, therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all from yourselves, that's not for you, as newborn babes, go back to the beginning, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Go back to the beginning. Start back at the beginning. Get rid of all of that and and start over. Let's go to my third point. My third point is to prioritize the resurrection. The problem the church at Corinth had is that the people who were in the church resurrection, then there's no heaven, there's no afterlife, there's no Holy Spirit, there's no salvation. It means that the Bible is internally inconsistent, can't subsequently be taken at face value. It means, to coin the phrase that the youth use, YOLO, which means you only live once. Paul said that. Paul said that. said, otherwise, what will they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead do not rise at all? Why then are they baptized for the dead? And why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? Why are we doing this? I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If in the manner of men I have fought with you to Ephesus, if I did all this, what advantage is it to me? If the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Let's go, right out a hail of bullets and we all done, right? I'm going to go take what I want and keep it moving because why? For what? If there's nothing else, then we have to prioritize the resurrection. It is our hope for the next day. It is what limits 
the behavior. It is what gives us access to the Holy Spirit and gives us the hope and the promise of the gospel. And if we don't, if we let them take that away, then everything else looks a lot different. Which is why they were trying to take that away. Because they knew if they took that away, everything else would fade away. Everything else would be useless. Let's look at 1 Peter 1.22. It says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Remember when we put away all of that stuff? Malice, hypocrisy, evil, all of that stuff? Pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible the word of God which lives and abides forever. Amen. The word of God has given us the ability to have an incorruptible seed. And we shouldn't put that seed, that incorruptible seed, which can't, it can't be corrupted. That's what incorruptible means. It means unable to be corrupted, right? So the word is not going to be, that, that seed is not going to be corrupted. But your ground can. So I have been in this house. We live in a house um, in the Lone South, and, well, in the South, sorry. And I have been trying to grow stuff since we moved here. And I've grown stuff at the preschool. I've grown stuff in other places. But this ground here, I can't grow nothing. I tried bulbs. I tried seed. I tried saplings. Nothing. Nothing. The ground sucks. And the bugs are worse. Them grasshoppers got to be like Get a size of my phone. What you doing? But if you put your good seed in good ground, then it will spring forth. Because of the resurrection, we are healed from all maladies and illness. We are free from the consequences of our sins. We are partakers of a spiritual inheritance. We are heirs of everything from God. We command angelic armies. We have a place with God in heaven, and we have access to the Holy Spirit. We are not corrupted. We are incorruptible. So here's the part where it sucks. Did y'all know there was going to be a poem? Whatever. So what does this look like if we are changing, if we are moving away from that corrupted seed, if we are moving away from that, I'm sorry, that incorruptible seed, but ground. Putting aside all of the bad things, what does that look like? What does that change look like? Well, if we go to John 4, there's a young lady who is by a well in Bethany. I will preface this by saying this is a spoken word thing, not me. And I understand that Faith is the person who is in the, the scripture that I got, and I don't know what pastor knows about who I used to be, but I'm going to um, just go ahead and take that as the Holy Spirit giving me a revelation to tell my testimony on, but it's not today. Um, so please note that this poem, this spoken word piece, is not me. This is the woman at the well, okay? All right. Don't, don't come at me sideways. This is a spoken word piece based on John 4. You know. 
I was just minding my business on my hot girl time, not worried about the pennies because I know I'm a dime. When I saw the haters as I walked through the town, but they hate me because they ain't me mad because I get around. Men say I'm different, foreign, exotic. That's because I am unbothered by optics. I woke up like this, went down to the well, took their scornful looks and their mocking yells. Saw a Jew at the well, but my bed's taken. And I don't need drama, just some more sex with me. But he spoke to me, asking me for mine, and I clapped back, told him I don't have the time. He asked for water, but was at the well. I was like, why are you asking me? You can't tell? You must not be from here. You don't know who I am. Your question is out of place like a well for spam. He was like, you don't know it, but this water from my dad will make you want some of it. I said, bruh, you mad? Is this a Pharisee catfishing me? Could his well be deeper than my family's? Nose wide open, so I clicked subscribe. Then he asked about my husband, because is giving wife. I was like, nah, homie, that ain't how I roll. And he said he knew, reading me my scroll. Body count at six, that's one past grace. Steeped in men and sin, almost fell on my face. Harless told all my business, got me all out. I was like, how you know? What you talking about? You must be a prophet, but why are you here? Kind of far from Jerusalem. Then he came near. He said, I am he. Then his friends came around jaw up off the ground walked no ran to tell all of them come see a man who told me everything i did i had left my pot to return again i became the well to my town and then that water in them couldn't be contained living water springing forth no stress or strain new god who this got them haters pressed but i'm gonna bring them to christ that's the ultimate Thank you. Um, I'll see y'all again in another 12 years. Come on, give Mr. Keen a big hand tonight. Awesome job. Hallelujah. Wow. Totally amazing. Amen. So it's just great, that mix of ghetto and um, academia. I'm, I'm going to explain the mix, why she's academia and ghetto, because she's an assistant principal at Lakewood High School, so you got to be an academic person, but you're around a ghetto, so hence the mix, praise God. Come on, give her another big hand tonight. Great job. I hope y'all other ladies got a rap or something, y'all going to do a dance, amen. Amen. Praise God. I, I learned a whole lot just then. That's just made me go back and study that. In fact, we just talked on that this morning, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. I didn't know none of that. So praise God. Amen, amen. Next, we're going to have a young lady coming to us. She's new to our church, and uh, she's nervous, but she's going to do very well. Miss Crystal Martin, will you please come? Come on, give Miss Crystal a big hand. Come on, first looking like a first lady.
Okay. <laughs> All right. Ready? Read. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So the book of Hebrews reminds us of the best way to persevere the faith. So you have to forgive me. Every every now and again, I'll talk extremely fast. So every now and again, I'll pause. Not that I'm missing my spot. It's just the fact that I realize I'm talking talking too fast exactly. (laughs) All right. So we can learn that there are specific things we can do to help us better our race of faith. So the first... Don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us and the leaders of the faith. So that brings me to the first point. Number one, we're going to lay aside every weight. So I know when we think of race, we think of marathons, sprints, 5K. That is my thing. (laughs) But... No, this is not the, the physical weights that we see, the 5, the 10 pounds, et cetera, et cetera. These are the burdens that encumbers us. You know, things like Paul just laid this down, and I know we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So things like illness, worry, hardships, you know, <laughs> and guilt. You know, guilt is heavy. So we want to lay all of that aside. So the next shameful utterance from our lips. 
say, number two, cast your cast off your sin. Yes, sir. So we all being an imputed race, we know what sin is. We we've heard it over, over and over again, which is great. Great. But every now and again we think we forget about the littlest one. You know, you know us ladies, you be lashing out, impatient, bitterness. And especially the one, <laughs> this is talking to me now. So <laughs> Colossians 3, 8 in the message, the latter part of this, um, of this scripture <laughs> is irritability and meanness. Now, now talk to me. <laughs> you don't know that you mean. Does somebody come up and tell you, like, why are you so mean? I don't know. <laughs> So number one was lay aside every weight. Number two was cast off your sin. And so the third one is run with patience. Steadfastness and consistency from your end. Remember, as I said before, we all think it's um, a race, you know, physically. But it's, it's not. It's not. This is, this is about our faith. This is our Christian we have to do. So we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 13. And I guess I started at Amplified Classic and I just kept on with it because I started again with Amplified Classic. So for you have need of steadfast patience and endurance so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. Thank you, Mr. Frank. <laughs> All right, so everything that we are dealing with has everything to do with our faith walk with our Lord God. We must strengthen our relationship with God. I had another point about relationship, but it's very important that we strengthen this relationship with God. I have to say, and I'm going to use Mr. and Mrs. Baker. <laughs> so say, for instance, um, you say, hey, sis, I need you to do X, Y, and Z to get to this gift that you need. You already know that I'm going to do it because you have a relationship with me. Now, if I was to do the same thing with Brother Chris over here, he would say, well, I don't know what you want or how you want it and when you want it. So it's the same thing with God, to have the open communication with him so that when you're ready and you need it, because you're going to need it to go through this faith walk, to have that open communication. So um, to back that up in scripture <laughs> is uh, the book of John. And I'm sorry, I probably didn't give it to you guys. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, chapter 15. Uh, verses 14 through 15 has to do with actions. So show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. And in verse 15, it says, I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants and servants don't always understand the master's doings. 
but I call you the most intimate and cherished friends. For I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. still have to live in this world. We are all husband, wife, parent, grandparents. Distractions are going to come. But we have to remember when we feel like that and get worried and frustration, you know what I mean? Um, the tip is, is to go back and study how Jesus did. Jesus endured all the pain, the scorn, the sorrow, rejection, and betrayal of the cross for which the joy he set was set before him. So all he had in mind was just the joy for us. Yes, that's all he had in mind to keep him going, though. You know, it's so hard for us to keep going off of the very littlest thing. It's like, okay, we're going to lose 20 pounds in three months. <laughs> the first week, we had it. The second week, ooh, okay, all right. <laughs> Because we lose, we lose sight. Yes, we do. <laughs> All right. So Jesus looked forward to fulfilling the purpose for which he came, which was to restore our relationship. And I'll close by saying this. As it says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 7, I have fought the good fight of faith and finished the race. How did you do it? By keeping the faith, exactly. <laughs> Amen. Come on, give Miss Crystal another big hand tonight. Hallelujah. That's how you do it. X, Y, Z. It's real basic. We, a lot of times we make this thing so hard, and it's not hard. It's laid out right in the scripture, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. At the end of it all, look unto Jesus, the author finish of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. You're going to endure some crosses. You're going to do some crosses. Anybody that's going to live this life in, in the kingdom of God, you're going to endure some persecution, some trouble. You're target number one for the enemy. He despised the shame. What's the, what's the shame? The shame of going through what he went through and obeying the Father. And if you're going to obey Father God, you're going to have some shame. In other words, people are going to mock you and pick on you and scourge you because of what you're doing. But just put your head down and swim. Keep the goal in mind. When you do that, you're going to get to the end of the race. Amen. And come out triumphant. Amen. Why don't y'all give Miss Chris another big hand tonight. We didn't get a rap, though. I was looking for a rap. I was going to have Crystal drop a beat for you, but he ain't got Praise God. Amen. Have y'all enjoyed this, this so far? Well, we have one more speaker coming to us tonight, and she is uh, a veteran of this church, been here many, many years, and been a part of my life officially now 22 years. And she um, is a beautiful woman of God. We are just proud and privileged to have her come and bring the word of God to us tonight. Would you all please give a big Exceeding Grace Christian Center welcome to Sister Sadie Oliver. 
Good afternoon, family. A good, yes. Good evening. First, let me thank my pastors for acknowledging and allowing me this opportunity. I remember when Apostle Gerber came here, he said to us, you will be glad you stay with it and who you stay with. And I have to say, indeed, I'm glad. My life is evident of why I stayed, and my life is fruitful because I stayed. And I am still glad. Thank you, Pastor Kim and Pastor John, for this opportunity. Father God, I thank you for this time as we come together. And I pray, Father God, that I decrease and you increase. I pray, Father God, for eyes to see, ears to hear, and heart to receive. I come against any anxiety or anxiousness in the name of Jesus. I pray for free flow of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. My title is True Greatness is Serving. And it's taken from Mark, the 10th chapter, verse 45. It says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, let's talk about the book of Mark a little more. The gospel according to Mark was written in A.D. 50, and the late AD 70, primarily to the Gentiles, but mostly to the Roman Christians. The message of Mark's gospel is depicted in this verse that we just read. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and he gave his life a ransom for many. Now, Mark described Christ as the humble servant. We must look at what occurred before Mark 10:45. In Matthew's 20 verses 20 through 21, the mother of Zebedee's son kneeled and asked Jesus to grant John and James a place on the right side and the left side. And then we go to Mark 35 and verse 40, where James and John asked the same request. Let me tell you that when people come in to ask for what's not rightfully theirs and don't consider who's around them because there were other apostles in the midst. But his mother, their mother, and they came and asked for what a position that was not really theirs. Jesus told them that it was not mine's to give. He even told them that you don't know what this cup will incur to drink of this cup of suffering. So in this book, we see Mark depicting Jesus as the humble servant. The gospel according to Mark omits the genealogy of Jesus Christ. John Mark begins with the John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, crying, prepare the way for the Lord and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of the forgiveness of sins. It also includes where Satan tempts Jesus. Mark emphasized Jesus as a servant on the move. It includes the resurrection of Jesus Christ and ends with the Great Commission. Now, slow down, slow down. <laughs> now, okay, 
okay, nestled in the midst of all of this is the gospel of Mark 10.45. Now, for, you know, you said for even. That, that word even got me. Let's look at Strong's number 2532. It's Kaya, a conjunction that denotes a word or a syllable sometimes given in connection with the principal word to which it is annexed. It's annexed to the Son of Man. Now, the Son of Man denotes the true humanity of Jesus. He was a perfect and sinless man. He was Jesus Christ, but he was man. And as a man, he endured the cross, despising the shame. As a man, he was crucified on the cross for our sins. As a man, he endured pain and suffering. So don't think it was just the deity of Christ. It was a man on the cross. In Now let's look at uh, Mark 10, 45 in the Amplified Classic. For even the Son of Man came not to have service rendered to him, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for instead of many. He gave one life for many. And it was a ransom. So, so how many of us come expecting to be served? We sit in an air-conditioned building on comfort, comfortable seats and expect the man, a woman of God, or our psalmist, or our musicians to minister to us, to serve us. And we sit in as spectators watching But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the humble servant, said he came not to be served, but to serve. To serve. Wow. Now I get to the theme. <laughs> The theme is our lives should reflect greatness in service and commitment because the price was paid by Jesus Christ. My first point, the Son of Man came to free the guilty from a sentence of death. The Son of Man came to free the guilty. That was us. That was me. From a sentence of death. Let's look at 1 Peter, the first chapter, verses 18 and 19, and we're going to do it in the Amplified Classic. You must now recognize that you were redeemed, ransomed from the useless, fruitless way of living inherited by traditions from your forefathers not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, verse 19, but you were purchased 
with the precious blood of Christ, the Messiah, that of a sacrificial lamb without blemish or spot. So that's why we were able to, in that first point, be free from the guilt of the death, the sentence of death. Because the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ was made on the cross for us. My second point was taken from Romans, the eighth chapter, verse two. My second supporting scripture, I should say. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, in Christ Jesus made us free from the law of sin and death. Now, let's, let's get used as an example. How many men of you have gone to Home Depot or Lowe's and purchased tools? Okay. Did you go back the second day or the third day to purchase that tool again? Because it was paid for it. You already have it. How many ladies of us has gone to the store and bought this fabulous dress with the shoes and everything to match? Paid for it in full, paid cash, didn't even have to charge it. <laughs> Did you go back the next week and buy the same thing over again? Because it was paid for in full. Jesus paid the price for our sin death in full. In full. It's already paid for. Whew. My third supporting script scripture will be taken from John the 13th chapter verses 4 and 5 and I'm going to do it in the CEV the CEV I'm sorry media so during the meal Jesus got up removed his outer garment and wrapped a towel around his waist he put some water in a large bowl then he began washing his disciples' feet and drying them with a towel he was wearing. Now, how many of us can be humble enough to wash somebody's feet? And I remember, they weren't getting in cars like we are. They were walking on a dusty road of Palestine. <laughs> and their feet were, were dirty. But Jesus... The son of God, the humble servant, humbled himself enough to wash feet. Dirty feet, not just any kind of feet, dirty feet. Many of, many of, not just one, right. Right. Men feet, that's the truth. Men feet. Ooh. Picture that. <laughs> All right, so just to give you something to think about, <laughs> we are free when we can serve others without hidden agendas or motives. He openly washed feet. He didn't have any other agenda but to show what a humble servant does. No other agenda. Now, let's look at... Uh, Strong's number 1247. Because we need to understand what servant is. Servant, a minister, diacono. 
to be an attendant to wait upon menial or the host a friend or figuratively teacher, technically to act as a Christian deacon, administrator unto, serve, use the office of a deacon. So a deacon is a servant. He just doesn't serve. We all call as deacons. You first from Timothy. As a servant, we have to be able to teach, be able to train, be able to live a life before other people as an example. That's what I can say about our pastors. I can truly say, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So I follow y'all. I don't care what it looks like if I don't have to understand it because I have the testimonies and the witness and the evidence to say that y'all are following Christ. Because you are his humble servant. Now, Jesus stood in the place of guilty sinners and offered himself as a substitute which portrayed us as being delivered. Because he became that substitute, we were delivered from sin and death. My second point, love and unity are far-reaching and rewarding. My support in scripture is taken from Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 13. Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 13. Second point, love and unity are far-reaching and rewarding. It says, my brothers and sisters, so no one is excluded, God chose you to be free. But don't use your freedom as an excuse to do what you please, what you please is your sinful selves. Instead, serve each other with love. So when we serve each other, it's always, it should be based on love. My second support in scripture will be taken from 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, verses 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, 19 and 20 in the KG, King James Version. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So don't stop, stop treating our bodies like we paid the price for it. I didn't bleed, I didn't die, I wasn't buried, I wasn't resurrected, and I'm certainly not sitting on the right-hand side of the Father. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's how we glorify him. Just uh, <clears throat> to note, uh, I'm, I'm going to give it. I was going to, my third support in scripture would be Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verses 15 and 17 through 17. Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verses 15 through 17. 
Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share for which such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey those who have rule over you and be submissive, for they watch over your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. I let the church say, Amen. Yes, exactly. Uh, my third point is exercise your authority through obedience and honor. Remember, we're still talking about serving. Let's look at Philippians, the second chapter, verse 8, in the New King James Version. So we serve because of obedience and honor. He was obedient even to the death of the cross. Right. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. For those that are taking notes, I'm going to look at it later, read uh, Philippians, the Second chapter, verses 1 through 11, and it gives you a, a bit better picture of what obedience and honor looks like. Uh, my second supporting scripture is Matthew's, the 23rd chapter, verse 11 and 12 in the Message Bible. In the Message. Do you want to stand out? Then step down. Be a servant. If you puff yourself up, you will get the wind knocked out of you. But if you content to simply be yourself, your life will be count for plenty. I didn't say it. Uh, that was a message right there. So do you want to stand out then? Step down. Step down. Be a servant. There's nothing wrong with serving. Absolutely, you know, I, I watch and see the 15, I'll, I'll say 50% of the church that's actually serving. And it's worldwide. But it's become an epidemic because we tend to expect the same people to do the same thing all the time as we sit and get the wind knocked out of us. Yeah. All right. My second, my third support in scripture is taken from Matthew, the 20th chapter, verse 28, in the Living Bible. In the Living Bible. And a pastor taught us in our class that you back up the scripture with the scripture. So. Your attitude must be like my own, for I, the Messiah, did not come to be served, 
but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. To follow up, read uh, verses 20 through 28. And it gives you a larger picture of what Christ did. We know uh, because of the passion of Christ what he endured. But if we, if we truly understand the price that it cost, our salvation was not free. It was not free. Uh, let's look at uh, ransom so we can understand what ransom is. But before I, I go in, let me tell you, I, I love Westerns. And my favorite, one of my favorite one is Wagon Train. And, and, and on, on, on Wagon, Wagon Hall, yeah. And there was an episode where, um, where Major Adams had this Southern Belle to come in on the Wagon Train. And that Southern Belle had another agenda. She came in with some Confederate money pinned to her petticoat. <laughs> and, but little did she know, she fell in love with Bill. So they took Bill as a hostage and got him, when they took him as a hostage to get that Confederate money, they had to, they, they got the money, but guess what the captain, but, uh, Adams did. He wrote on the money counterfeit on the front and the back and gave it to the hostage takers and they released Bill. To say, I say that to say this. What Christ did for us is never a counterfeit. It's genuine, it's authentic, it's real. He paid the real ransom in full. He paid the ransom in full without having to manipulate or do anything. He did it freely and willingly. He left heaven's glory. He left majesty to come down to us. Now, whew, completion. Ransom is from Strong 3089, Lutron, Lutron, to loose any person, anything tied or fastened. How many of us was tied and fastened to sin, to that former life? Behold, old things have passed away and we have become new. I'm new, I'm new. To loose one bond, release from bonds, to set free. Atonement. Christ secured our redemption by paying, by payment of a ransom, the blood of Jesus. No other blood was able to secure our freedom. No lamb, no bullocks, no dove, no pigeon, only the blood of Jesus. In my conclusion, true greatness is found in serving others. There are many advantages to serving with humility by not standing on your dignity. I'm too dignified to wash dishes. I'm too dignified to mop. I'm too dignified to pick up paper. I'm too dignified. <laughs> by standing on our dignity, nothing gets done. 
individuals will remember and reflect on how you sacrificially served and will speak well of you. And the humble servant will also take notice of you serving. I'm going to look at, let's look at my last scripture, then that's it. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, verses 11 and 12 in the CEV. Isaiah 53, 11 and 12 in the CEV. By suffering, the servant will learn the true meaning of obeying the Lord. Although he is innocent, he will take the punishment for the sins of others so that many of them will no longer be guilty. The Lord will reward him with honor and power for sacrificing Jesus, his life. Others thought he was a sinner, but he suffered for our sin and asked God to forgive us. Tell the devil that Jesus paid the ransom in full for all. Tell the devil that the ransom was paid in full for our lives, for our family, for our health, for our prosperity, for our wealth. Tell the devil the ransom was paid in full. We Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. The devil has nothing on us. He's a defeated foe. He's a toothless lion. He goes about ass. He can't even do the lion right. So why should we fear? Tell the devil that the ransom has been paid in full. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, give God a great hand of praise tonight. Give God a praise for this word and this woman of God. Come on, lift your voice and give God a praise tonight. Hallelujah. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. Come on. I know it was the blood for me. Oh, one day. Yes, he died. Oh, yes, I know it. Oh, oh, yes, I know it was the blood. I know it was 